When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Whenever I'm not living under the restrictions of an apocalyptic pandemic quarantine, a week rarely goes by that I don't visit a historical museum of one kind or another. I've spent the last few years traveling the country coast to coast and off the coasts, visiting many of the best of them, at least until last February when COVID changed everything. Since that time, I've made do with virtual tours and more books than I ever thought I could read in a 12-month span. Lately, I've been calling up local museum guides at some of my favorite places, and this week, I've asked the curator of one of them to join us on the show. My name is Susan Hake, and I am the curator at Lincoln Home National Historic Site in Springfield, Illinois. The centerpiece of the Lincoln Home National Historic Site is the former home of our 16th president where he lived with his young family for 17 years. After moving to the White House in 1861, Abraham and Mary kept this as a rental, with plans of returning after serving in Washington. Following his assassination in 1865, she refused to come back, and the house was later donated to the state of Illinois. In the 1970s, the state transferred ownership to the National Park Service. Eventually, the rest of the neighborhood was added to the museum grounds, and it now includes four city blocks near downtown Springfield, which depict the area as it was when the Lincolns lived there. Even with these additions, the Lincoln Home National Historic Site remains one of the smallest holdings in the National Park Service, containing just over 12 acres. When we are open, when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, we do have a more modern-looking visitor center, and then we do have two of the houses that are open to the public, the two of the neighbors, and that was Harriet Bean, who lived across the street to the west, and then Charles Arnold, who lived across the street to the south. They have small houses, and we've got some permanent exhibits. But to get into the Lincoln home, you, you do go with a ranger, takes you through the whole house. Is it the actual home, or was it a rebuild? 
No, that is the actual home. It's on its original foundations. The house was originally built in 1839. It was a much smaller house at the time. It was only about a story and a half and was shaped like a T. And then through the course of the Lincolns living in the house for just over 17 years, they did a lot of remodeling. They added on, eventually adding on a full second story with all the bedrooms up there and, and had a little bit more formal spaces downstairs for Mary to do some entertaining. Mr. Lincoln could meet with political cronies, with legal clients, things like that. The house as you see it now is its 1860 appearance, which is right before the Lincoln left for Washington. Can you explain to me what brought Lincoln to Springfield? Of course, he was born in Kentucky. That's one of our most popular and, and odd visitor questions. Where's the log cabin? 200 miles to the southeast. But So he was born in Kentucky and his family moved to southern Indiana for a while when he was very young. And then eventually his family moved to east central Illinois near Charleston. And at that point, Lincoln was 21. He was never a good farmer. His father was going to farm and he just, he really wanted to get out on his own. So he, through friends, had agreed to help drive a flatboat down the Illinois River to the Mississippi River to New Orleans with loaded with things for that person to sell. And in the process of doing this flatboat, he got stuck on a, a small waterfall in the town of New Salem, Illinois, which is northwest of Springfield. Like the looks of the town, and after he had done his trip down the Mississippi, he came back to New Salem. He remembered New Salem and came back there um, and lived there for a while. And while he was there, he met several people who encouraged him to study law, among other things. And he was befriended by John Todd Stewart, who was setting up uh, a law office in Springfield, Illinois. And so once Lincoln passed the bar, then John Todd Stewart took Lincoln on as partner, and then Lincoln moved to Springfield that way. How did he end up in the house that is now the park? It was for sale. It had been for sale for a while. He knew the owner, the Reverend Charles Dresser, was the gentleman who had built the house in 1839. And in 1842, Lincoln had actually gone to Reverend Dresser's house and asked him to perform Lincoln's wedding ceremony that night to the lovely Miss Mary Todd, and Reverend Dresser agreed to it, but Mary's sister, Elizabeth, who Mary was living with at the time, said they had to get married at Elizabeth's house. So he did not get married at his own house, but he must have liked the looks of it because about 10 months later, Abraham and Mary agreed to buy the house from the Reverend Dresser. So that's how they landed in the house. And they said they added on to it as their family grew and planned to come back. Was he already in politics by the time he moved into the house? He was. He had dabbled actually a little bit when he was still a young man in his 20s in New Salem. He ran for office and lost, partially because during the campaign season, he was actually off in the Black Hawk War. He had become a captain in the Illinois militia and had gone off to the Black Hawk War. So he did no campaigning. And by the time he got back from his service um, in the Army, the election was, I think, the next week or something like that. And he lost to a much more well-known gentleman from the area for the Illinois State Legislature. So he had dabbled already. Once he got to Springfield, he continued to be interested. He was a very strong supporter of the Whig Party at the time. His name recognition increased. And, and eventually he ended up running for U.S. Senate, lost to Stephen Douglas twice. And finally, then, of course, 1860, he was nominated for the U.S. presidency, again against Stephen Douglas, among others, and 
that one he won. <laughs> so he was living in the house when he won the presidency, but he, he was, was also, yeah. was he also living there when he lost the two Senate runs? He was, yeah. Yes, he did win one term in Congress, the U.S. Congress. He won several terms in the state legislature as well, all living there. We're specifically looking for any other details that you can tell us about what Lincoln's life was like while living at that house. I think in some ways it surprises people just how average their life was. This is certainly not, it was certainly not a big house. It wasn't a small house either. Very solidly middle-class house. The Lincolns had a pretty average social life. They, they may have run in slightly elevated circles, mostly because of Mary's family. She had three sisters living in Springfield at the same time, and her oldest sister, Elizabeth, was married to the son of the first territorial governor of Illinois, and so they were considered high society in Springfield, and they had parties and balls and gatherings. And so the Lincolns were invited to those. So they ran in slightly higher societal circles, but they were pretty solidly middle-class or what we would consider middle-class. They had a cow, a couple of horses, maybe a pig, everyone's wild chickens in the backyard. Very typical of what was going on in Springfield at the time. Do you guys have any artifacts of Lincolns there or are they all at his museum? Actually, we do. We have about a hundred artifacts that we can directly associate the Lincoln family in Springfield. That includes their parlor furniture, which is a nice set of mahogany frame with black horsehair on it. Those, almost the entire set has been saved. We have Mary Lincoln's cake plate that she would make. A lot of cakes she really liked dessert. We have a desk that Lincoln used when he, according to the affidavit, the quote is when he first set up business for himself. So we think that was in the mid-1840s, I think, when he and William Herndon set up their own law office. Some books, marbles that were found in the backyard that the boys would have played with. So a very domestic gathering of artifacts. We only have one artifact that, that was signed by Abraham Lincoln. That is a legal document on a stolen black horse. So, yeah, different things. No, no clothing, though. The clothing did not survive. So tell me about the the black horse. Did they ever find it or what was that all about? <laughs> yes, actually. It was uh, two gentlemen. This is when uh, Lincoln was working for his, with his second law partner. It's signed Logan and Lincoln, but it's in Lincoln's handwriting. The horse was stolen. It had been found. There was a disagreement between the two who, act, who had actually owned the horse. But yeah, it was resolved in Lincoln's client's favor. Are there any artifacts from the museum that a normal person probably wouldn't think twice about. We have a, a book, a biography of Black Hawk, the Native American. And we think it's because Lincoln was in the Black Hawk War and he had a lot of interest in bio reading biographies. So we have the biography that Lincoln read about Black Hawk later that was published after the war. We've got, like I said, the marbles from the backyard that the Lincoln boys would have lost or dropped down the privy or whatever they would have done. We've got a bench on the back porch of, of the Lincoln home. The, the one that's actually on the back porch is a reproduction, but the original was it just, it's a fairly plain wooden bench, but it's seven feet long. And according to the carpenter who made it, Lincoln had it specially made to be seven feet long so he could stretch out completely um, and take a nap. So that's a, an interesting little take in what Lincoln liked for 
comfort. I know that you had mentioned the desk that he had when he had his law practice. So that desk would have probably have seen all of the events that happened around his law practice. Would that have also been his desk that he would have used while in Springfield, while he was a part of Congress? We assume, yes, that it was probably at the law office, um, which is a couple blocks away. Eventually, it's a very small desk. It does have a set of pigeonholes across on the top kind of thing, but it's still, oh golly, it's maybe, yeah, three and a half feet wide and not much deeper. So it's very possible Lincoln would have brought that desk home if his, his volume of work was such that this desk would never have been able to hold all of that. And not that Lincoln was the neatest in keeping up an office neat and tidy. In fact, it's fairly disgusting the way his office was described, that there was so much dirt in the corners that weeds had started to sprout. But so he probably brought the desk home eventually. And so, yeah, a lot of his correspondence, we could have been political, legal or personal. He may have written some of his speeches. The thing we don't know, it was eventually discarded. There was either a broken leg or on the desk or the ink kept sliding off the top. There's no stop for an inkwell. So it probably slid off the desk a lot and onto the floor. And so the, the affidavit, the document that we have that connects to Lincoln uh, says that Mary threw the desk out. She was tired of it making a mess. And so Lincoln was seen carrying the pieces, which is where we think maybe one of the legs had also broken. He's carrying the pieces out to a burn pile of some sort when one of the neighbors saw him and said, oh, hang on. Mr. Lincoln, I can fix that. And Lincoln handed it over and said, it's yours. Take it. And then that gentleman's widow, after he died, then gave it back to the house. And so it's a very short connection, which is nice. Yeah. But we don't know exactly when that happened, when the actual trashing of the desk took place. So we don't know that he wrote necessarily some of his more famous speeches, like the House Divided Speech in 1860 or his first inaugural, we know he drafted it while he was in Springfield, but probably not on that desk. It probably was gone by then. You had mentioned the cake pan. Would she have used that to prepare maybe cakes for visitors? Definitely. Mary was very fond of entertaining, probably part of a lot of her upbringing in Lexington, Kentucky. Her father was a very prominent businessman. He owned a bank. He was president of the local university, Transylvania University, by the way, which still does exist. So they had, they always had a lot of people in their house and were always entertaining. And Mary continued that in Springfield. You know, we had three of our sisters in town. They all ran around in each other's social circles. And then definitely once Mr. Lincoln became a prominent politician, then Mary was constantly entertaining. So she was making a lot of desserts, borrowing her sisters and her sister's servants to help out with that. So yeah, there was always a lot going on in the house. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health their food. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. 
Reflecting on this, I decided to follow her advice, and I noticed profound changes in my own dogs. Enhanced energy, healthier skin, and an overall younger demeanor. It's truly heartwarming to see them so vibrant and full of life. Go to badlandsfood.com slash hometown and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D dot com slash hometown. And I assume that when he was running, especially for president, they probably had a lot of people over to try to get them to go along with their bid for presidency. You think that's accurate? Yes. Mr. Lincoln was not unanimously elected by the Republican Party at their convention. So there was a lot of campaigning. The interesting thing is Mr. Lincoln did not go out and campaign like we think of now. But yes, people came to him, especially a lot of reporters came because People didn't know, outside of Illinois, maybe Kentucky, Indiana, closer Midwestern area, people out east thought this goofball out west, coming out of the wilderness, was still living in a log cabin, wearing homespun, you know, just this total country bumpkin. And so a lot of newspapers, especially from New York and Boston, sent out reporters and artists, and they sketched the house, and they described the house to try and dispel the image of Lincoln as the country bumpkin. Yeah. Do you know much about Lincoln's last time in the House? I assume it was before he moved into Washington. We know quite a bit about their last couple of weeks. They had a large party to say goodbye, a farewell reception that it was in the hundreds of people that came, which is pretty amazing for a 3,100 square foot house. That's a lot of people. They had a sale, a tag sale of a lot of the furniture and household items. Before they left, they were giving things to family and, and friends to hold for them. Uh, they moved this the parlor set that I was talking about. They moved that across the street into their bachelor neighbors. It, it was very key that he was a bachelor because he had the space. So they moved that furniture up into his attic. Her sisters were helping pack, things like that. Robert was trying to figure out what was going on. He was away at school. He was at a finishing school in Vermont for a while. So just lots going on. They moved out about... Three days before they left for Washington completely, they moved to a local hotel. They had already rented the house out, so I think this was just a chance for them to get out finally and let the new tenants move in and get settled before they left for Washington. And they never returned back to the home. Is that accurate? Yeah, the family never came back. This wasn't like today's president. They can just jet home for a long weekend or whatever. The Lincolns planned to come back permanently. Mr. Lincoln obviously never did. Mary came back to Springfield. Robert came back not to live, but he would come back to visit periodically. But Mary decided she could not live in the house. It was too hard for her to live in the house. So she moved in with her sister down the street. During your time at the museum, have you found anything in the house that previous generations weren't aware of that speaks to Lincoln's time there? I wasn't here when it was found, but the the house underwent a massive restoration in 1987 and 1988. But during the course of the restoration, all of the siding was pulled off the outside of the house to try and preserve the plaster on the inside. So all of the siding came off the outside and then everything that was in the walls, of course, there's no insulation. They basically, somebody took a shop back and just sat there and sucked everything out of the walls and then put them in bags. And then grad students in at the University of Nebraska in Lincoln went through and found hundreds and hundreds of little things in the floor and in the walls. 
And one of the neatest things they found was in the kitchen wall where there had been a fireplace, a large cooking fireplace. It was later then closed in and they had stoves and put a wall in, create a dining room. Anyway, but in where there had been a mouse hole on the floor, they found six or seven documents, including a letter that had one of Lincoln's rent checks to his landlady in Washington when he was a congressman, and some letters asking for favors, asking for help for getting a patent, all these different things. And what's interesting about those documents, the ones that have dates on them, this was about three days after Eddie, Lincoln's second son, was born. And Robert would have been almost three at that point. And I think he was just bored and wanting attention. So he took some of daddy's papers and shoved them in the mouse hole. So those were found during the restoration. And that's been really fun to see. Did the University of Nebraska keep all of that or do you have it at the museum? Oh, no, we have all of it. We have some mummified mice as well that were found. You probably let them keep those? No, we have them. They're disgusting, but we have them. You mentioned finding things like marbles underneath the backyard outhouse, and I'm wondering how extensively that area had been excavated. I know from past experience with more ancient excavations that toilets and garbage dumps are often the best dig sites. Has the backyard ever been properly excavated? Yes. Back in the 1950s, the state did a fairly extensive archaeological survey of like the back of third to almost half of the backyard because the barns and the, the privy were no longer standing and they were wanting to rebuild those. So there was a, an extensive thing. They found three different privy sites, excavated them down to the bottom. We've got great stuff in there. And they also then found the foundations for the old barn and woodshed. So that's all been rebuilt. A privy was moved in from about 60 miles away on to then set one of those sites. So yeah, we found Oh, golly. We found the marbles, lots of broken dishes, uh, plates, and glassware. Golly. Lots of bones. So we know a lot about what the Lincolns were eating. And it was a very, what we would consider a very typical Midwestern diet. So it was chicken, beef, and pork. <laughs> so very much in keeping with what is typical. Some of the kind of the fun things, uh, a couple of the bones are chewed on by a dog. The Lincolns did have a dog. Most of the time they were living in Springfield. The most famous of them is the one that was there right before they left for Washington. His name was Fido. He was a yellow mutt. He was a very nondescript dog, but very much loved. If the walls of the house could talk, what would they tell us about Lincoln at this specific phase in his life that other later houses might not? I think a lot of people don't realize he was very much of a, a workaholic. People talked about him working late into the night. They could they'd look up in the window of his bedroom and they'd see a candle still burning because his bedroom was in the front of the house. He was a workaholic, but he also was he loved playing with his kids. He was a, a noted wrestler, especially in his younger days. And so wrestling on the floor with his boy, if you think about it in what we call the sitting room, which would have been the family room. So he's on the floor, he's wrestling with his boys, the dog's there, there's cats there. I'm sure Mary Lincoln's just throwing up her hands and oh, whatever. I'm just trying to, it's not that we want to bring Lincoln down from the monument, the Lincoln monument, but it, just to try and make him a little more human. It was very much a family home. Yeah, so messy, yeah, dog barking, cats probably barfing on the carpet, typical Lincoln family home. Lincoln is one of those people with multiple legends, almost like he lived multiple lives. You have the Lincoln, the champion wrestler, Lincoln, the honest lawyer, 
the soldier, the boy in the log cabin, the commander in chief of a nation at its breaking point. All of those images represent different moments in his life. Which Lincoln lived in this house? This is Lincoln as the, the husband, the father, the average guy just trying to make his way in the world. They moved into the house when he was, oh, what was he? He was 35, had been married for yeah, quite two years. Three more sons were born in the house. Their second son died in the house. A lawyer and a politician. And a, I hate to say all around good guy, but that's, yes, this is average Lincoln. This isn't Lincoln and the Lincoln Memorial Lincoln. This is Mr. Lincoln down the street. Thank you, Susan. Is there anything else you'd like to say about Lincoln before I let you go? I know one of the questions we get frequently is, is that the color of the house? And yes, it is. It's a tannish brown. It was called Quaker brown by a lot of people in the press. It was, at one point, it was painted white during its history. And for some reason, people really fixate on that, that, well, wasn't it white? Hasn't been white since the 1940s, but that's what people remember for some reason. And are there any photos of the inside of the house on the website? We do have photos. We've got Google Arts and Culture virtual tour. There's also a link to an exhibit that shows you close-ups of a lot of the Lincoln artifacts, including the bench that I talked about, the original bench, the parlor furniture, Mary's cake plate. So that's all on our website as well. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.